Good evening. Who in the hell left the gate open? <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the show, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. I am Lena J of Lena Unapologetic, and we got the band back together again. Got the original <laughs> band back together again. We have to my right, Beep, stands for Vice President of Blast. And yep. then below us, as always, D Ray, the producer. Not only my co-host and hey, 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 host of his own show, The Blast Off. What's up, Big Buddha? Big Buddha. And um, responsible for all the music that you hear on um, Lean Unapologetic as well as all the shows. So again, I just want to give you those shouts out. Um, what's up, Segment? What's up, Buddha? Thanks for tuning in. Um, so how y'all feeling tonight? Hmm. You know, Tuesday, Tuesday today. Tuesday be Tuesday in. Yeah, but we we have a great interview. We we did one of the best for us. Now it might not be for the rest of the people out there, but for us, being, talk about it. Being creatives, this gentleman, this elder, creative, uh, spoke and poured into us today. That legend, legendary, and um, I cannot wait. To share with you all the jewels and knowledge that he dropped. I mean, well, let's it. say his name. <laughs> the iconic <laughs> George Winners is George joining Winters. us. George Winners is joining us tonight. And for those who don't know, he is not only um, an artist, but he's a writer. And here's a funny thing a lot of people don't know. When you are both an artist and a writer, that's a cartoonist. A cartoonist is not just the drawing part. But it's the writing as well. So he's a humorist as well as an artist. And he's joining us later um, all the way from um, uh, from Mississippi, which is where my family is from, a lot of them. Um, and I'm so excited because he was the originator of the Strictly for Laughs section in Ebony Magazine. Um, what's up, Trey McGriff? There we go. Um, not to mention he has done work for Playboy Magazine, Hustler Magazine, um, I think there were a couple of others that he was mentioning as well. And I think because I'm just naturally nasty, I focused on Playboy and Hustler and what did wait, hold up. Players oh, too. Yeah, look, we went into Players magazine, boys and girls, and <laughs> I personally thanked him for his contribution to Players magazine and my sexual development in the nineteen eighties. <laughs> you got anything to say about that beat? Mm, mom's the word. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> I'm going to keep it real before we move to hot topics. For me, I just must say this. Um, there's something about meeting your heroes. For those who may not know, um, you know, besides doing this podcast, my claim to fame or my rise to fame or whatever you want to call it is I'm a cartoonist. That's what I do for a living. And I grew up watching this man's work, looking at his comic strips. Um, for anybody growing up in the 1970s and 1960s, if you were African-American, that's what's up. Shout out to Uncle George. Oh, man, I'm loving. I'm feeling the love here. Um, I remember those stacks of Ebony magazines, whether they were in your house, whether they were in the doctor's, the dentist's office, your Aunt Mabel's house or whatever. You could not get away from Ebony magazine being in a black household, which meant if you had that magazine <laughs> and I still got some in the crates then you saw George Winner's work. In fact, I can't think of any other artists connected with it. Um, You know, uh, there we go. There's, love it. And I would get my crayons out and try to draw like George. So to come full circle and meet him is just, it's it's blowing my mind. I'm I'm like a big kid on Christmas Day. But anyway, we can get into that later. So um, let's talk about um, hot topics because... uh, America be American and uh, S festival be and that didn't make any sense. But anyway, <laughs> <laughs> all right, we're about to get into it. Let's talk about the shit. It's time for hot topics. Melon. <laughs> That's all I'm going to say. It, it does it to you every time. Y'all. Every time, every time. I need a cigarette. I don't even smoke. Okay, <laughs> so let's talk about. Let, let's start with um, Usher Gate. How about the oh there we go. Oh boy. Lord, she's wearing that outfit. She's wearing yeah. that outfit. Okay, so unless you've been under rock this week, um, or you're a member of MAGA and could care less about what brown folks are doing, um, <laughs> then you know all about what happened at Essence Festival with Kiki Palmer. Love you. Um, Usher, love him too. And um, I don't even rem- know what this Negro's name is. What is Kiki Palmer's babies. There he is. Um, Darius. Thank you. I'm glad I didn't even do my research. His name is Darius. Mm-hmm. And he's that, that, that right there. No. Speak on <laughs> it. Speak on it. I mean, because I got my opinion. I want to hear what y'all got to say. I would love to. Well, well, first of all, Kiki, props to you. Represent for the moms that can still be sexy after having a kid. Working it is the most. Next. It is the most silliest thing to me. That a woman cannot be sexy. Now, granted, not everybody's seen the butt shot that Kiki is representing, which to me, that would be a little much. Bonk, however, bonk. however, I would not put my lady on blast publicly like my man went to Twitter. That, that was the first mistake. That part. That part. <laughs> I mean, it's kind of beat down this topic, but we got to get into it. So I'm going to say my piece real quick, and then I want you to bring it home, D-Ray. I'm of two minds about it. Maybe three. Number one, love Kiki Palmer. Um, and um, I must give her props for being that person who can turn her pain into profit. She's already coming out with T-shirts um, about this, making money off of all you know the gossip that's going on. And good for her. This is the same woman that wanted a part on Issa Rae's Insecure. So she went to her on Twitter and, she, you know, and did the work to get on the TV show. This is the same one who had her own TV show with um, Michael Strahan and um, mm-hmm. what's her name from The View, you know, 
again, she shot her shot and she got on that. Kiki Palmer is not going to let um, the roots grow old under her feet. She's going to do what she has to do to secure the coins. So as a businesswoman, I love her. As far as what happened at Essence Festival, I really have no issue with her. I really don't. But I will say this. I do have some compassion for Darius. I would not want to see my... I wouldn't want to see my man bumping and grinding on Usher because that would make him gay. But but that aside, um, if it were, I don't know, um, Jill Scott, I would probably feel some way too. But here's what I wouldn't do. I wouldn't get on my social media and talk shit. That's all I got to say about it. I'm done. Yeah. yeah. What say you, D-Ray? Um, I'm of a couple of minds. Number one, for, for, for the uninitiated, <clears throat> this is before kids. <laughs> This is after mm. kids. Mm. This is kids. <laughs> this is after kids. Mm. And, and all of that right there didn't exist. Baby booty. <laughs> um, so was, what she had on was her behavior good for her brand? Yeah. yeah. Was it good for business? And was it good for her career? And Usher. It was a moment. Was it a moment for Usher to mm-hmm. be in the, in the conversation? Absolutely. Yep. Was it good for her relationship? Probably mm. not. Probably the thing not. Is, is you have to know your partner. You have to know who you are having a baby with. This is not someone mm-hmm. that, I mean, she could break up with him and, and say whatever, but that is baby daddy forever. You know what I mean? And so... Therein lies the issue. My issue also is a few years ago, she called out a celebrity for sexualizing her. Right? So about seven years ago, there's a popular R&B singer who will go unnamed on this show um, because the views and opinions of (laughs) (laughs) Right, right, right. Um, But there was an incident with this R&B singer who is rich, famous, XYZ, whatever, where he attempted to over-sexualize her without her permission in a music video. And she spearheaded a campaign against the over-sexualization of women in entertainment. She went on a whole campaign. She went on The Breakfast Club. You want to go uh, you know, check out her interview about six or seven years ago. My wow. is keep that same energy. You know, yeah. keep that same energy because what wound up happening is did you have to risk your life for a, BB, a BBL? Nope. Did you have to invest in breast implants? Nope. So while you are capitalizing on your newfound bounty, keep that same energy that you had. <laughs> at this very moment, you look like a hypocrite to me. You know what? I have debated about this thing so long on social media. I'm, I'm kind of done with it. I, I, mean, I think it's a little different what you're saying, but I will say this much. Um, that was a moment for Usher, too, because it took that one bump and grind session with Kiki for us to forget that Usher got herpes gonorrhea AIDS. I mean, ain't nobody talk about that. You know what? And that's what money does today. It makes you forget he got her Pacific gonorrhea yeah, AIDS. I'm that, just that, trying to say, Usher got damn. that nasty woman's disease. Right. And, and you know, and Usher done went through his 
whole let it burn situations as well. And so it's like, <laughs> I like what you did there. what I did there. But but that's where we are in this society right now. There's a certain level of status, of money, of fame, of influence yeah. that causes convenient amnesia, right? Because you want to get, you want to reach for the, the fleece. You know, like, mm-hmm. like, you know, Jason and the Argonauts. You want to reach for that fleece. Well, okay, there comes a price with that. There's a price. Yeah. Mr. Williams has something to say about it, too. Right. And, <laughs> I, I like this point of view. And, you know, and it may have cost her a relationship with a really good dude, you know? So, yeah, she's going to be okay. Well, I want to switch up real quick and about Essence Festival um, and jump to something else. There's a reason why I'm rocking my T-shirt tonight. I don't know right. if y'all can see this. It's my Barbie T-shirt because, um, hey, Sophia, um, you know what's coming out this weekend. Do we have a picture for it? Show my girl. There she is. Check her hey, out. Um, I know it's called a Barbie movie, but I'm calling it the Issa Rae movie because okay, that's that's what I want to see. Not, I love Issa Rae. I love Insecure. This is not Issa Rae. It's the Issa Rae movie. She plays the president. Not, I not, rename it. <laughs> I mute my mic now. <laughs> <laughs> Hold on, what was that? He mutes his mic now. That's what he said. Uh, okay, I, I mean, uh, what? Are, okay, let me just say this. Um, I know they're gonna be like hoteps out there, and folks are gonna be like, "Why would you want to go see a Barbie movie?" First of all, you are fifty-something. <clears throat> you're a woman, and then secondly, like, I guess for some folks, they might see this as a, you know, a Karen movie. But I grew up on Barbie, you know. Um, you know, I don't know anybody coming up in that era in the '70s that didn't. And for those who don't know, I've taken a look at the cast. I'm excited. It's very diverse. Um, aside from Easter Ray playing the president, they've got full-figured Barbies. They've got Asian Barbies, Latina Barbies, and it's basically a world run by women. Uh, Margot Robbie is playing Barbie. Um, that's two huge roles for her, Harley Quinn and now um, mm-hmm. playing Barbie. Um, I'm excited to see what they're going to do with it. And this is <clears> iconic <throat> for what Issa is bringing to this. I mean, that's kind of the theme for tonight, Trailblazers. So, you know, George Winters is a trailblazer. Issa Rae is a trailblazer. I- I'm excited for it. I- What's y'all's take on it? I don't expect y'all to say much, but you know what, yeah. V? You, know you remember when they did the Star Trek reboot like 10 years ago? Mm-hmm. Remember how Tyler Perry had a bit part in that Star Star Trek reboot? What she I doing, loved it. I loved it. What she's doing is essentially saying that the Star Trek reboot is a Tyler Perry. Movie. That's what she's doing. <laughs> it, it was. I renamed that as well. That was Tyler Perry's Star Trek. Wow. What? what? <laughs> I'm wrong for that. That's how I see it. Ooh. Oh, you got something to say? V. Y'all got anything to say about the Barbie movie with Issa Rae? Well, the one thing I will say is I've always liked Margot Robbie. I think she's a great actress, and I know she's going to make Barbie really realistic to a lot of young ladies out there. So I, I I really wish success on the movie. There's no hate for me at all on that. I think it's going to do a lot for changing the perception of Barbie as this blonde hair, blue eyed, Caucasian woman only 
type mm-hmm. of doll. And of course, that is the go-to example. But right. with all the diversity that they're bringing in, you know, and I remember when just Black Barbie and I forget what they, her name was. We just called her Black Barbie um, <laughs> uh, back in the 70s. Um, you know, to go from that to Barbie being president and all the other characters that are going to pop in. I'm excited. I think it's going to do a lot for little girls everywhere, kind of like the Little Mermaid did. You know, mm-hmm. it's not forced diversity; it's necessary diversity. So, call, call me when they do the real, the the, the live action Cabbage Patch. Movie. Oh, I thought you were gonna hold up for the GI Joe movie. No, no, no. Well, I mean, they tried that. They they did try that, and they did try emphasis on try. <laughs> okay, so now moving on back to Essence Festival. Um, you know, it's a thing. I, I don't know what age you are, an auntie, but. Um, India Ari weighed in on Essence Festival, looking beautiful there in the middle, um, next to Janelle Monet on the left and Meg the Stallion. And so, Vic, uh, what's your take on it? You want me to talk about it? You want to, or D-Ray, you want to speak on it? I'll speak on it. Um, speak on it. Basically, Janelle Monet, who for the uninitiated is one of my favorite performers, entertainers, and singers. Yeah, she has my middle name. Such a very talented, talented woman. Um, very. She uh, has now come out unapologetically. <laughs> she now flashes her breast every chance she gets. Right? Yeah. So every chance she gets, and I don't know, uh, you know, if you're in a bad mood, watch this <laughs> video that she came out with, because it is impossible to be mad at somebody after that video goes on. <laughs> Moving on. Um, you just had to put that titty plug in there, didn't you? <laughs> Trust me, it was more than titties in that video. Oh, wow. um, wasn't it, V? Uh, don't answer that. Anyway, yeah. um, <laughs> and this is Meg the Stallion, who, you know, she came out dressed like she normally is dressed. Right. And, you know, which is, you know. She looks bad. She's slinging it. Can we just give her props? Her body gets better every couple of years i mean when you think about the way she looked when she first came out and she was gorgeous then but to me uh, y'all don't think so i think she's no 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 make megan megan gets no qualms for me i was actually gonna say megan has the same kind of intentionality in her entertainment like hammer did hammer would bust his a double s every show he would do oh and yeah. megan do the same freaking thing megan is non-stop and it drives a bunny doing her thing. So, so big ups to Megan. Do you well, think? Let, let me back up and say what happened for those yeah, who don't I, know. I, I, I was going to get to that. Oh, so, do you, you want to do it? Do you want me to mention it? Uh, you you can mention it. it and I'll just put up the, the graph. Okay. Well, it's basic. Um, during the Essence Festival, um, Meg Thee Stallion performed, Janelle Monet performed, and, you know, they did what they do. Um, Janelle Monet's act has changed a little bit. I remember when she was wearing black and white outfits and, you know, she was um, as many as much. Um, she's covered up like a nun, but she's changed. She's evolved. But Meg has always been Meg, and right. India Ari, who um, you know, I love her music. I've got her CDs. She took the to Twitter and she wrote a dissertation <laughs> about her issues with twerking, and she was like, "This is Essence Festival." You know, we're it's classy. Why are we doing this? You know, this represents black womanhood at its best, and this twerking that it's not the place for it. Now, let's be clear: she did not put down Meg or Janelle. She, I think, she spoke on 
loving their music. She just thought that wrong place, wrong time, wrong movement. Mm. Um, and so, you know, the youngins, the 20 something year olds, the millennials, they've been dragging in DRE. And um, mm. I don't know, when my daughter explained all the stuff that she said, I kind of get it. But I love India, so I don't really want to say anything because, you know, <clears throat> shade butter and incense to you, India. Love you, girl. Mwah. What y'all got to say about it? The the sad part is, forgive me, D-Ray, the, the sad part is, is that, you know, Indiari is matured compared to most of some of these artists that are out now. We can't even have our own opinion. And like you said, she didn't butcher no artist, but she butchered itself as far as that dance. She's not feeling that. And that should have been fine. But in this generation, you either follow us or you're against us. And I love what you said, V. You can't even give a critique. She gave a critique. That's all she right. did. She didn't say, get the fuck off the stage. She said she gave a critique. <laughs> and, let's, and let's also keep it real. 23 years ago, India Ari was the culture. Yes, she right. was. Lauren Hill, Neil Soul movement. The Neil Soul movement with Erica Badu, with Maxwell D'Angelo, Jill Scott, and India yeah. Music, music Soul Child. I was thinking yeah. that one, yeah. Absolutely. And Roll so, call. Right. Mm-hmm. And so there was a point in time where, and you know, and oddly enough, I think I, I heard, uh, oh my God, what's the, the rapper, uh, Anaconda rapper? What's the name? Nicki Minaj. I oh, yeah. heard Minaj say, back in my day. You know, back in her day. In her day, right? Back in like her day. Like she's old as dirt. Just <laughs> say that. But what she said that was, was 41. Yeah, back in her day, you had to be good to be on the radio. Now you have to be popular. Mm. Today, right. And today, what do performers feel like they have to do to be popular? They have to wow. saturate it with sex. And mm. to me, what Indiari was saying was that she was criticizing that over-sexualization of the culture, right? That was not an attack personally. It was like, I'm not feeling what you did. I'm not right. feeling what you're doing. And I love you, but I'm going to disagree with you. And, and we, you said it eloquently, and that's really like a, a should be a real. You know, they're like coming for her like piranha in the Amazon. Right. Let's make that a real, like literally let's do that. I'm going to say this really quick um, as a teaser for our guest coming out, George Winters. Oh, let's read this real quick. Are we uh, that these people are entertainers? They entertain. That's what's up. That's what Kiki Usher did as well. Entertain. I love it. I love that happy weekend for life. Oh, DJ Big Tim. Okay, let's hear this. All right. I love India. She has the right to speak her mind, although New Orleans is also the home of bounce. We just wear twerking originates, so I am good either way. Keep it real. Thank you, DJ Big Tim. Um, Appreciate it. Yeah. <laughs> I don't, agree. don't get me wrong. Um, I can't speak for Lena Unapologetic because this ain't my podcast. However, However. I never publicly go against twerking. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like just let it be known. <laughs> I feel like it should be a constitutional amendment. An Olympic sport, right? It should be an Olympic sport. And it should be platinum and gold and all kinds of medals for it. Wow. However, I feel like what we have lost as a culture is the critical analysis and critical debate. Ooh. We can challenge each other. Exactly. And without it turning into 
a beehive coming after you just because. Thank you. And that kind of that kind of group thing is really really dangerous. It is. And it, and for those of you who don't think that is dangerous, trust and believe. And wait. People would have letters after their name just like I do, who will use that to manipulate you to do whatever they want. Did you see yep. what he did there, V? Mm-hmm. Did you catch that? No, no, did you catch the whole thing? The, the letters after his name? We know yeah. you got a master's degree, D, right? <laughs> we, know you, we know you went to college. Look, ain't nobody asked you to do no Chris Rock. <laughs> you ain't my master. I, ain't nobody asked you all of that. We all know you can read. All I'm saying is there are very crappy people out there that yeah. if you are involved in group things, they will use that to their advantage. So the next thing you know, you got a whole generation of people doing stuff. They don't even understand why they're doing it. Word. Right. Word. And just want to say this real quick. V, when you see this interview with Mr. Winters, um, mm-hmm. he, he touches on this very thing that, that we're talking about here. He okay, had us in tears. He had me in tears at least. Um, <laughs> and I got kind of emotional. Um, you know, D Ray don't cry. Um, if you, you <laughs> know, he still ain't gonna cry. Cry one time, but that was on a different podcast. Yeah, that was during the pandemic. Oh, damn. I Shout believe out. it when I see it. <laughs> so um, I know we're getting close to the blast artist of the day because I, I could keep going, but I, I, I'm really wanting to get to this interview because it was awesome. Chef's kiss to George Winters. Um, I bet it is. I look forward to it. Um, so before we go to the next topic, um, do we have time or do we need to get to the blast artist of the day? Y'all tell me. I mean, we got three minutes, but keep in mind that that interview is an hour we're gonna go over, but, okay. But as tradition, with Alina unapologetic. However, <laughs> what else is on your mind? Nah, um, just maybe want to give a couple of shout outs real quick. Um, shout outs to um, Trey McGiff with Sin Odyssey that event. Um, yes, indeed. Great job to him. Um, possibly expanding um, uh, to Roy Hatcher to Corey Russell and all who were involved in that. Shout outs to Trey um, and Betty McGriff for that. Um, shout outs to friends of the show. Um, shout outs to um, DJ Big Tim with um, the big groove um, that comes on. Um, check. Um, oh God, I forgot the name of the um, the, the the radio um, format for it. Oh God, moving on. Okay, shout outs, y'all. Give some real quick. Shout out to Blast Radio Two Four Seven. Shout out to Blast Music Two Four Seven. Indeed. All of the podcasts, all of the independent artists, yes, all of the, the people, the creatives that, that put it down every week that we're out here pursuing stuff and, and, and we're out here trying to ride. Yeah. I also want to give shout outs to the regulars, shout outs to Sekmet, shout outs to Big Buddha who tune in every week, um, part of our radio mm-hmm. memory. So thank you to those two in particular. And um, without further ado, um, we're going to hear those Demi Day Donuts, right? Here's the thing. <laughs> we're going to hear this, and then we need to set this interview up, because there's something I got to say before this interview. Okay. Not a problem. I'll definitely give it back. So actually, this is the Blast Artist of the Week, which is sponsored by the Lee Law Firm. If you are in the Dallas-Fort Worth area needing some legal assistance, go to Facebook, and you can look up the Lee Law Firm. 
as well as more information in the video after the video. So tonight we have Demi Day, and this is called Be Like You. I love this video. My babies is in it. <laughs> Everybody can't reach like, can't reach like. Everybody can't dream like, can't dream like. Everybody can't be like, can't be like. Everybody can't be like you, like you. Everybody can't reach like, reach like. And everybody can't dream like, dream like. Everybody can't be like, be like. Everybody can't be like you. I understand you got your own thing going. I'm down this you better keep on rowing. They try to knock yourself. You better keep on glowing. Don't let nobody in between that future you be knowing. So here's my message to you. Ain't no person on earth that can outdo you. Be a selfie to yourself. You'll be honest that you knew you. Only you can be a rock when it ain't no one else around. If you don't love yourself, then the only way is down. But I believe in you. I see you got some dreams in you. Full speed ahead. I see you got some steam in you. Just keep checking. They be grateful for everything that you get the best of the world. Make the chase, let your heart dictate the pace. Jamag you the trend, let your spirit run the race. I bet your ancestors cheering, seeing the path you clearing. Nothing worth fearing, every lesson worth hearing. But every now and again, try to break. Even though they might be painful And when they the scars That's when you gonna see a breakthrough I'm praying that you make do With every resource within your grasp Multiply four, be generous with your chest Kindness in your hand Willing to understand That every single second you get is another chance And every single moment you breathe another chance To do something you love To always rise above Parting for the past Don't let that trauma beat you up Be gentle with your mental And everything you done been through Hand of the day you're the reason I grab the pencil so I could draw you up a motivational stencil tracing the inspiration make way for the destination Cause trust me I can see all of the places that you're at and I'm here to let you know you ain't gonna never reach a dead end everybody can't reach like can't reach like everybody can't dream like can't dream like everybody can't be like can't be like everybody can't be like you like you Everybody can't reach like, reach like, and everybody can't dream like, dream like. Everybody can't be like, be like. Everybody can't be like you. The Lee Law Firm. The Lee Law Firm. Is a law firm for those in the Dallas-Fort Worth area seeking a holistic approach to solving their legal matters. Just some of the legal services that the firm provides. It's divorces, custody suits, child support, and adoptive child services, criminal defense, DUI defense, wills, trust, power of attorneys, and many, many more. You can contact the Lee Law Firm. The Lee Law Firm. And make sure that you say the word blast when you speak to the Lee Law Firm representatives and receive discount on your initial retainer to hire them. Okay. Yes, <laughs> I got one question. Sure. All kinds of Troy, 
why do all your commercials sound like Pornhub ads? Riddle <laughs> <laughs> me that. As a legal representative on the show, don't do that. You know. <laughs> hey, that that that's go ahead, go no. ahead. Page <laughs> blush. That's what I was trying to get him on out of there. Um, um, we got some people like Trey. Shout out to you, brother. Dope son, dope middle and part. Let me tell you something. Sin Odyssey. I really want to get you um, in touch with Demi and see if we can work something in the future because um, I think y'all would y'all would really hit it off. Thank you for that. Appreciate Thank that. you, segment. Thank, thank you. you. Tim. DJ Big Tim got something going on on Spotify. That's right. Spotify. Thank you. Thank you. Good save. I appreciate it. I, I screwed so, that up. Let me uh, finish the, the rest and then oh, you yeah. can. That's up. <laughs> If you are an independent artist or even a spoken word poet or even an up-and-coming comedian looking to gain some exposure, you can go to BlastMusic247.com and register for free. But hold on. Blast is not just for the artists, but for the fans. If you love music like Demi Day and there are hundreds of other amazing artists that are there sharing their music, go to BlastMusic247.com and you can register as a fan and listen to some music for free. So that's a blast. Music247.com, changing the industry one artist at a time. All right, guys. I'd like to request a melon ad next week. No, okay. <laughs> so. You don't do melon no more. Every time I see that video, I get cheap. I've been in a situation where it was so peace. It was so light, whatever. Every time I see that be like cute video. Not only the tracks, but the cameos. And D-Ray, your mic, can you adjust it? Can't hear you that well. While he's working on that, um, (laughs) I wanted to comment. Not only were your kids in that video, but I saw Mrs. D-Ray, the producer, as well as D-Ray himself. You had the whole family up in there. That was up there. Yeah, there was another video with um, with Demi that my son was in, and he decided that he didn't want to be in this one, but he was <laughs> upset. So, yeah. Excuse us. My, yeah, my, entire, <laughs> my entire group, we have such a good one. Oh, real quick, shout out to D-Day, who just announced her engagement to her partner. Okay. Shout out to Demi Day for that. So, no doubt. Um, Much love. Yeah. Oh, shout out to, one more thing, shout out to Demi I'm loving the background track, my guy. You can hit you can that one. That you know what the name of this one? This one is called Baby's Forward. Um, we Betty, will talk Betty after Ford? the show. <laughs> I'm going to need you to leave my city out your effing this, mouth. This is, this is, and, and you know what? If she keeps talking, I'm going to make the ask for your condiments remix. Good grief. <laughs> anyway. That's an inside joke. Inside, we inside did not joke. Okay, can we bring out our guest? Can we please bring out Mr. Oh, okay, so I was, yeah, right. I wanted to set this up and say, and I'm gonna try not to get emotional this time. Okay. Because there is an old African proverb that says that an elderly person is a burning library. Today wow. today we saved a library. And I'm proud of that. So. Yeah, I could wow. not. I love how you said that. Mr. Winners is a treasure, 
and this is an exclusive interview. I'm actually disappointed that there haven't been others, but there are more to come. As a matter of fact, shout out to Andre, um, his IT person, because they're putting together georgewinners.com. Remember that, georgewinners.com. So if you like what you saw tonight, know that there's more to come. So without further ado, let's bring Mr. Winners out. George Winners, welcome to the show. Thank you, thank oh, we you. Gotta do the cl- we gotta do the clap. <laughs> I do the clap. <laughs> wow. Um, thank you for having me on. I appreciate it. I'm, I'm kind of speechless. Are, are you speechless, D-Ray? Mr. Winners, it is an honor to talk to you, to meet you, to finally see the man behind the art, you know, because you've been an integral part of my development pretty much my entire life. Uh, we'll get into that a little bit later, but I, it's such an honor to meet you, sir. So thank nice. you. Thank you thank for you. for agreeing to come on. Um, I've got a lot of questions to ask, so I guess we're going to get right to it. Now, you are from where my family's from, so somewhere along the way, we might even be kin, because <laughs> on my daddy's side, they are from Macon, Mississippi. You are from Murphy, Mississippi. Um, yes. So I wanted to ask you... Um, what was it like? Because I know that you literally um, actually picked cotton as a child. So did um, so did my mother um, in North Carolina. So if you can, could you kind of let us know how did you go from actually picking cotton to doing artwork for some of the most um, world-renowned magazines, you know, of our time, becoming like an artistic icon to go from Tell us a little bit about how that started as a young boy growing up in the 1940s in, um, I'm going to say, racist Mississippi. You know, <laughs> keep it real. Okay. <laughs> well, act- well, actually, uh, you-, you say I started off uh, picking cannons as a little boy. I, I was raised on, uh, actually, I probably picked cannons until I was almost ready to graduate from high school. I, I stuck, I, all of my teenage years, all of my younger years, from the time I was born and all the way up until I graduated from uh, high school, I lived on, uh, you know, lived on the farm, and we all uh, worked as uh, we either worked as field hands or sharecroppers. So, wow, no shame in that. My mother did it too, and and you know, oh, yeah. it paved the way for her to become a principal. You know, it was money. Mm-hmm. Well, that's it was survival. That's what we had to do. We did what we had to do. I hear that. But, uh, I had, I had a lot of fun though, as growing up as a kid. We was we was poor, but I didn't know it. I had a lot of fun. I had a lot of friends. So working in the fields, we had a lot of fun. I mean, we wasn't making any money, but we was having a lot of fun. So yeah. I'm going to assume that not unlike a lot of artists, you had the talent from birth. At what point did you start drawing and get the idea like, hey? I could do this for a living, you know, screw this cotton thing. I want to draw and, and create art. When did that start? Well, I didn't really think about doing it as a career until probably I was in high school. But I, I've been drawing since I was maybe five years old. Mm-hmm. Me too. As far back as I can remember, pretty much, I've been drawing. I always had the ability to draw. And I was always curious and I was always able to create things. I had always had a creative uh, mind. So I was either drawing or making, and when I was a kid, I was making my own toys because we couldn't afford to buy any. So wow. I, was, I was always using my, uh, your hands, my, my creative mind 
to to you know to to do whatever I had to do, and uh, I guess you could say I'm a born artist. I I have it in myself in my blood. It runs through me. Right, rather, you know, you know. I feel you. I would probably rather draw than do anything. So, but uh, I didn't start thinking about art as a career until I probably was in maybe the ninth grade. I never thought I was going to be a cartoonist. What I really wanted to do, I thought I was going to be an architect because I enjoyed drawing houses. That's Love that's, it. What, really, that's what really got me drawing uh, in the first place. I used to draw houses. I used to pass by this house that they was remodeling when I was in the, maybe the first or second grade. We, we would pass, I would pass that house on the bus. And I would go to school and, and I would get a piece of paper and I would draw that house. I, want, I always wanted to build things. I know I couldn't build a house physically, but I could build it, you know, creatively in my mind. I could own, own a piece of paper. I could, I could probably build that house, and that's how I would build that house on a piece of paper. I would remember different stages of that house, and I would go to school the next day, and uh, I would draw that house, you know. And that that was that was really the way I got started drawing. It's just just, just from drawing that house, every, uh, passing by that house on the bus. Now, let me ask you this, uh, Mr. Winters. Um, so a lot of, um, you know, artists of today, they have art schools online. They've got um, Rhode Island College of Art and Design, um, you know, SCAD, you name it. I could keep going, um, Juilliard. But what I want to know is what uh, what is your training with that? And, and I I pretty much have an idea, but I'm curious to ask you, like, how did you go from um, your 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 training as an artist into your first job? What? How did that get started? You mean my first job as my first art job? Your first art job and your background into learning the craft. How did you first like your schooling with that beyond high school? Like, um, did you go to an art school? No, I couldn't afford art school. I was, I was drawing all, like I, like I said, I was drawing from uh, maybe the fifth, I mean the first grade. So my mother and everybody knew I had the, the talent, but there was no art school around. That's right. And, and even if there were an art school around, if there was an art school around, they weren't going to let you go. They, they wouldn't going to let me in anyway. They wouldn't right. accept me anyway. So basically, I'm gonna, I'm self-taught. Uh, but when, when I was in my teens, my mother, wow, uh, there was uh, right. a magazine. I uh, joined on the back of a magazine said, "Draw me." I remember I, those. <laughs> yes, I, I, I drew that thing and I sent it in and. Shortly after, some guy came to the house and uh, wow. told me that they I did a good job on the drawing, and my mother signed me up for that that correspondence correspondence course, and that's really pretty much the only training I had. It was it was uh, they uh, they did a pretty good job in this course. I think it was a pretty good school, correspondence-wise. I mean, I mean that that was pretty much the only thing I had available to me. So that was the only opportunity I had available to me. So I, it was the only opportunity that I could take. 
So I See, I love that. When, I, when I there's a will, there's time. a way. Yeah, I took it at the time because my mother sacrificed a lot. I mean, she came up with, I think it was about $450. Wow. She, she wow. Came, my mother came out of a sock with that $450. I love that. I didn't know we had $450 in the whole house. But somehow she had saved Somehow that spells us by today's standards, okay? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, so you know, being, being being sharecroppers, we didn't have any we didn't have any money. So, but she had four hundred dollars, four hundred fifty dollars. She had stashed away that she paid for that course. But uh, I learned a lot from it. It was a college money course, but I learned a lot from it. Now, before and, uh, we get and, to um, oh, I'm sorry, let me cut you off. I'm sorry. And I I learned a lot from it. I learned a lot of, of basic, you know, the basic stuff about art. You know, shading, perspective, layout, and all that kind of stuff. It, it taught a lot of basic stuff, and I learned a lot from that. But I really had the skills of drawing. I guess from God, God gave me the skills to really. To absolutely, draw. absolutely. Mm -hmm. Oh, Danny, you had a question. I think after me. I'm sorry. Oh, go, go ahead. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Okay. We, we have a we had a bit of a delay. I apologize. Um, like, I, like, I was, like I was saying, I always had the, the, the love for drawing and the ability to draw. And I, I guess I had the talent, but what I needed was, the, you know, knowing the technical stuff, drawing, layout, and the, and the different stuff like that. And I, I got some of that from that course. And after that, uh, I, uh, I moved to Chicago. And shortly after that, after moving to Chicago, I was there for maybe uh, maybe about four or five months before I got drafted to the uh, military. And wow. I spent two years in the Army. And after I got out of the Army, I came back and I started submitting my, my, my work to different magazines because I had a directory from that course that they sent me, listed all the magazines and everything that was buying. Okay, not sure what that's about, but give me a sec. Oh, no worries. Um, I think the way that it was set up is D-Ray wanted us to do a little commentary because you were not part of the interview with us. So want to know what did you think so far about that before we go back to it? Any thoughts on that? Well, um, I loved it. All, <laughs> I'm going to keep watching all, it. <laughs> yeah, I, you know, he brought me back. He brought me back with the... Um, the, what was that? The correspondence of can you draw this artwork? Right, oh, you remember my. those? Oh snap! Yeah, I remember that big time. Um, that was definitely mind blowing. But just to hear how at his time, our generation or the generation before or after us don't realize the struggles that our people had to go through just to achieve anything in life, and. Oh, my goodness. You know, I, I just, when I watch it again, I'm reminded we have no excuses. We really have no excuses. I mean, we're right. going to get further into it. I don't really want to do a whole lot of talking because I want people to hear what he had to say. Because when I tell you, uh, Sekman says you remember those as well. So does Big Buddha. Right. A you know, lot, A lot of us drew them turtles. <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh God, I forgot his name. But you know what? No disrespect to our college, D-Ray, or yours, Beat. But when I listen to this man talk about all that he learned from that um, that back of the magazine school, I forget the name of it, and to see his work and the legacy he's left behind, I'm not saying that my education was a waste of money. All I'm saying is that there's another way to do it sometimes. You know what I mean? I mean, right. for all of the people who are, you know, stressing out about putting their kids through school, um, if you want to, if you want to learn something, you will find a way. Hey, that was my fault. I'm gonna try to start the video back where it was. So just give me a second. My bad. Okay. Yeah. I, I, yeah. Because I don't want to miss too much. Okay. Here we go. Oh, uh, yeah. Thank you, D. Ray. I mean, the first grade. So my mother and everybody knew I had the, the talent. But there was no art school around. That's right. And, and even if there were an art school around, if there was an art school around, they weren't going to let you go. They, they weren't going to let me in anyway. They wouldn't right. accept me anyway. So basically, I'm, I'm self taught. Uh, but when I, when I was in my teens, my mother, wow. uh, there was uh, right. a magazine I uh, joined on the back of a magazine said, Draw Me. I remember I, those. <laughs> yes, I, I I drew that thing and I sent it in. And shortly after, some guy came to the house and uh, wow, told me that they I did a good job on the drawing. And my mother signed me up for that that correspondence correspondence course. And that's really pretty much the only training I had. It was it was uh they uh. They did a pretty good job in this course. I think it was a pretty good school at correspondence wise. I mean, I mean that that was pretty much the only thing I had available to me. So that was the only opportunity I had available to me. So I it was the only opportunity that I could take. So I see. I love that. When, I, when I there's a will, the there's a way. Yeah, I took it at the time because my mother sacrificed a lot. I mean, she came up with I think it was about four hundred and fifty dollars. Wow! She came, wow! My mother came out of a sock with that four hundred and fifty dollars. I, I, I love that. I didn't know we had four hundred and fifty dollars in the whole house, but somehow she saved. Somehow that's she houses by money. today's standards. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so you know, being being sharecroppers, we didn't have any we didn't have any money, so. But she had four hundred dollars, four hundred fifty dollars. She had stashed away that she paid for that course. But uh, I learned a lot from it. It was a correspondence course, but I learned a lot from it. Now, before and, uh, we get and, to, um, oh, I'm sorry, let me cut you off. I'm sorry. And I, I learned a lot from it. I learned a lot of, of basic, you know, the basic stuff about art, you know, shading, perspective, layout, and all that kind of stuff. It, it taught a lot of basic stuff, and I learned a lot from that. But I really had the skills of drawing. I guess from God, God gave me the skill to really. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Oh, now, Danny, you that. had a question, I think, after me. I'm sorry. Oh, go, go ahead. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Okay. We, we have a we had a bit of a delay. I apologize. Um, okay. like, I, like, I was, like I was saying, I always had the, uh, the, the love for drawing and the ability to draw. And I, I guess I had the talent. But what I needed was the you know, knowing the technical stuff, growing layout and the, and the different stuff like that. And I, I got some of that from that course. And after that, uh, I, uh, I moved to Chicago 
And shortly after that, after moving to Chicago, I was there for maybe uh, maybe about four or five months before I got drafted to the uh, military. And wow. that's why I spent two years in the Army. And after I got out of the Army, I came back and I started submitting my, my, my work to different magazines because I had a directory from that course that they sent me listed all the magazines and everything that was buying cartoons at the time. Wow. So I started, I started submitting my work to different magazines. I started out with the, the minor markets and I sort of worked my way up to the major markets. And some of the minor markets, at that time, minor markets, what I call minor uh, market was paying maybe $10, $15 uh, for a cartoon, maybe 25 that, Which was still decent money, though, at that was, time, though, right? Yeah, and 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 the fact that they they uh really they bought a lot of cartoons, like Sexy Sexy, that he was telling you about Sexy Sexy. Earlier. Yes, they yes. Bought, they bought tons of my drawings, tons. I mean, and then they would give you uh reprint checks. Everybody every three every quarter they would send you re, reprint checks where they would reprint your stuff. Uh, send uh um, another magazine would buy it, and uh. They would send you like residuals from those from those uh, cartoons, so it was pretty good. And after that, well, a few months after I started uh, selling to them, I started sending stuff to Johnson Publishing Company. Ah, <laughs> at the time, that's when my that's when my career really started taking off. I I they was publishing a magazine called Black World at the time. Uh, before that, it was called Negro Digest. Women. So before it became Ebony, it was no, called... no, 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 no. This this was a, a like a sister publication to Ebony. Okay, all within the Johnson was, Publication family. Yeah, they, gotcha. this was Johnson Publishing Company, but they was publishing publishing this magazine and Ebony magazine. But the, the magazine that I, that I sold to at the time, it was a Black World magazine. And when wow. I, after I, after I had been selling to Black World magazine for maybe about a year or so, I got a, a telephone call from Mr. Hans Massaguay, who was the uh, managing editor for Ebony magazine. And he told me he went, was interested in starting a, a cartoon page. And he wanted me to help him out by sending, he wanted me to send him uh, some cartoons of my to be, you know, to open up the page to get this page on. So that's that's how my career started at Ebony. After I had been selling to Black World magazine for a while, and then I I got the telephone call from uh, from the managing editor of Ebony magazine and telling me he wanted to start uh, strictly for laughs. Wow! So that's that's how I got started there. So I think I sold to Ebony magazine. I, I I hadn't realized it was that long until I reflect on it some time ago that I had been selling to them since 19, I think, 1976, I think it was when they started that page, all the way up Dang. until about 2004, 2005. That was in my lifetime. I feel good. <laughs> I was born in 71, so yeah. That, that was a long time, right. but it, it doesn't seem like it was that long, though. I mean, it, it flies by. Yeah, reflecting back on it, I realized, damn, I've been throwing for Ebony Magazine for that long. Now, I know 
and Ray is a chomping at the bit to ask you a question in a second. Um, so I, I oh no, you're good. Okay, okay. No, I mean, um, I'm saying I'm I'm enjoying this because um, right. <laughs> and all all the time I was drawing for Ebony, I was drawing for other magazines. I started picking up other magazines, other magazines like the major white magazines started buying my work, like uh, Good Housekeeping, uh, Latest Home Journal, Saturday, yes. Post, Saturday Review. Um, no, all of those. <laughs> all of those. Uh, Woman's World, Good uh, New Woman, uh, Woman's Magazine, all of them. I mean, they started coming out, out of the woodwork, out of the woodwork as far as uh, selling that stuff. So, and players uh, so, uh, magazine, another magazine that uh, was a takeout from a black takeout from Playboy magazine was called Players Magazine. So I got a call. Oh from, yeah, I got a call from them. <laughs> <laughs> Hold I, up, yeah. I need a moment because in our little Brady Bunch boxes, Danny was waiting on that moment. Now <laughs> I okay, am a for everybody that's out there that's judging us. This was before the internet, uh-huh. before Pornhub and and all this other Whatever stuff. Whatever else is out there, yeah, it, yeah. This is when you 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 stumbled upon either your your granddaddies or your uncles or it your was dad. my daddies. <laughs> when, you, when you stumbled on their stash, okay, you stumbled on the stash. It's like Players Magazine. Oh my God! And now, <laughs> now the summer just got interesting. And just one last thing about players I have to say. My only issue as a straight woman, and I know that I can't appreciate it like y'all men can, but why do they always look like they have bullet holes in their thighs or something? I mean, I understand. <laughs> because, they, 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 they didn't have no light bulbs or something. Like, no, no, it's always like a, no, no. Like a Motel 6. We wanted the real. That's what it was. It ain't we get more real. Show us the stab wounds, the buckshot. <laughs> I think I saw a gun one time on like a nightstand in one of the pictures. But anyway, we digress. <laughs> I wanted to ask about um, what was it like working, since we're, as a segue, talking about players, what was it like working for super white, white magazines like like Playboy and Hustler and doing comics for them, you know, shout outs to the cartoons of, of that time. There's um, Little Annie Fanny and Hustler's Honeys, I think, or whatever. Um, and, um, and, and correct me if I'm not wrong, there was a black artist that created Little Annie Fanny, right? Yes. Little Annie Fanny was, I, the artist was uh, Buck Brown. Buck Brown, mm-hmm. rest in peace. What was it like for you working with ebony which is it doesn't get any bigger than that you know it's the most iconic black publication of all time and right. type me in the comments bigger right. than essence ebony is 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 right there you know it's our goat what yeah, was it like e- working for that versus hustler and playboy yeah ebony was the biker in the black community i mean that wasn't hardly a household that could afford a magazine that didn't have ebony there and then even if you couldn't afford the magazine, you could go to the beauty shop or the barber shop and the dentist, the doctors. Mm-hmm, the and dentist when they had the big giant issues that were like 24 by 36 with the Jackson five on it and right. all that. Right. I love those. And well, you know, I'm sorry, go, go ahead. I really enjoyed working for Favorite magazine because most of the people who knew me when I, that I grew up with and my mother and my family, they was all, you know, happy to see. 
my work in in Ebony Magazine, it made I guess it made them proud, you know. Oh yeah. But, uh, plus the the, uh, the people I was working with were the good people. They would they would uh, they would uh, uh, Mr. Massaguay. He was a real nice guy. I used to talk to him on the phone all the time. Oh, that's and, cool. And when they opened their their new headquarters on Michigan Avenue, the, the new building, when they moved from the old building to the new building, the new headquarters on. Uh, Michigan Avenue, I think it was 820 South Michigan Avenue. Mm-hmm. I the on the uh, grand opening when they had the grand opening, I went down there, and in the lobby of the of the uh, of the uh, in their lobby was a display of my cartoon. And I wow! Wow! That's pretty. Good. I, I can't stop smiling. <laughs> I think it was the most. Uh, it was the most honorable thing I, you know, I mean, I was blown away by that. I had no idea they were going to have my work in the lobby, you know, on display, but they did. Okay, I still have a question. I, it was nice. I, I had a nice run there. Okay, I do have a question now. Um, along with you being a very talented artist, you are a very witty person. Yes. <laughs> very, very witty person a sign of very, very high intelligence. Where do you think your wit came from? Well, I, I guess when I, when we were teenagers, my friend and I, I, I was, my, all of my friends was, was, was real, uh, really funny guys. I had two guys that I used to hang out with all the time. We had a ball when I was telling you about how we used to have fun out in the cat fields. Mm-hmm. All the boys and teenagers, when we were chopping cotton and picking cotton or whatever, we just had a ball. I mean, we we was out there, we was working, and we was having so much fun. We didn't know we was working so doggone hard. I love that. I, I guess it took our mind off the heat and the hard work we were doing. But we had a we had a ball out there, and we was all uh, just you know telling jokes, and a lot of the old guys would be telling jokes and lies about their, when they were young <laughs> and stuff. <laughs> Time with the time went back kind of fast, you know. We just had we had a lot of fun, and uh, one one friend of mine, uh, Joe Wilbert, he was a real good friend of mine. Uh, uh, we we went all the way from. I met him when I was probably about thirteen years old. When I when when we moved from Murphy to uh, a town called Hollandale, and uh, we we've been friend we had been friends from maybe I say about the sixth grade. And he was a real funny guy. I mean, he was he, he was he was really funny. And we sort of played off each other. And when we was when we uh, when I was in high school, a lot of the, my classmates, the guys, you know, they they was uh, they were, you know, always joking around. And you talking, telling mama jokes, and you know, <laughs> your mama this and your mama that. So doing the dozens. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that's what they call it. So you know, we all we are we we always uh, had a lot of fun that way, and and I've always been I don't know I guess funny funny, but you're funny now on Facebook when I see your cartoons. People don't know that people don't know that about me. A lot of a lot of people see me me now and they say, well, you don't look like the same guy to be doing those cartoons, you know. So I'm really serious. I'm really a serious guy, but funny too, I guess. 
So did any of any of those jokes that y'all that y'all came up with out in the field did they wind up in any of your work? And did you, and did you have some of your homeboys be like, "Hey, that was my joke." <laughs> Are you making fun of? I told you that in privacy, George. How that wound up in Ebony? On the back of that field. No, 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 no. I never had that problem. But I tell you what, when I was in, when I was in, uh, like I say, when I met my my good friend Joe in in the sixth grade, that was uh, what I used to do. I used to draw a cartoon strip every day. Every day. Every day in class. I would, right. a, I would draw a cartoon strip, and I had another friend named Essie Adams. He was a, he, I met him around the same time that I met Joe, and we were classmates. And I used to draw cartoons of Essie. Essie had was was, was uh, he he was he had sort of a long head, elongated head. And I, <laughs> I, I, used to, I, I used to put him in my cartoon and, and doing. During study period, uh, when we were supposed to be studying, I was going cartoons with Essie, and I would pass around the class, and we'd all laugh about it. Oh my God! <laughs> okay, I'm laughing for a couple of reasons. One, because I'm imagining like, and that's where the whole hot dog series came from. And then the other part of me is thinking back to my childhood when when I tell you I did the same thing, and I thought like, okay, and I would occasionally get in trouble for it but my classmates would crack up i guess it just comes naturally you look at things and you're not trying to hurt anybody's feelings but you see the humor in it and you just can't help yourself right i mean yeah. i just ah, i feel seen i feel seen right. <laughs> leads me to another question um your your cartoons have been witty they've been entertaining but they've also been serious Mm-hmm. Um, and very hard hitting. Mm-hmm. Uh, what, what, in your opinion, is the most trouble you've gotten into with one of your cartoons? Like, you know, did you get a call from Secret Service? Did, no, did, no. Men in Black. You know, Men in Black showed up, or what? What is, in your opinion, what's the most trouble you've gotten into regarding one of your cartoons? Well, I, I, I don't know. I, I remember. I remember. Uh, when I was first started drawing for Hustler magazine, uh, one time Larry Flint told me that I used mm. to get a, I used to get a lot of he used to get a lot of mail from the readers about wow. my cartoon and he was and he, he brought that up to me. But uh, uh, Larry late- Flint got quest got letters about you with all the shit he went through. That just think about that for a second. Like questions about Mr. Winters and his work. Versus, you remember the movie? Well, see, see, a lot, a lot, a lot of, a lot of people really didn't know I was, I was black. They thought I was some racist white guy or something. Wow! Know, and they wow. were shocked when they found out that I was, I was a black cartoonist. That is fascinating. I'm but, wrapping but my head around as, that. <laughs> but, but as far as uh, me getting uh, uh, feedback about cartoons, I really didn't start getting that until I started just posting stuff on Facebook. A lot of people took issue with a lot of stuff I was doing. But I really I, I really uh, haven't been on Facebook that long. I only, I only got on Facebook, I think it was uh, in uh, 2019. And I only did it uh, just 
uh, posting cartoon because I did it as sort of a thing to, uh, you know, to uh, during the pandemic to just put it on there and uh, share my humor and try to make uh, bring some, uh, you know, joy to people's lives that were going through the, the pandemic. You did. And I, I started posting it that way for them, basically for my friends on Facebook. But uh, a lot of people, oh. uh, a lot of people, uh, you know, start taking issue with some of the political stuff I was doing. Yeah, I saw that. Um, mm-hmm. I, I think that they, they, a lot of them say they didn't like my stuff and all that kind of stuff. But I found out that the problem with doing cartoon, political cartoons, everybody liked your stuff until you start attacking somebody they like. And once okay, that part. That, then that they have part. an issue with As long as I'm attacking uh, Joe Biden, they're fine with that, my cartoon. If I say something about uh, Donald Trump, then all of a well, sudden. Down there. <laughs> so I expect that. I, you know, I don't worry about that. I don't let I don't let people get under my skin anymore. I have a great question about that. Um, wow, um, there's so much I could go there with that to unpack. So you know, we're Facebook friends, and um, we have not had the pleasure to meet in 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 in, per- in person. But I want to. It's a two part question and a comment. One. Um, I feel protective of you because, you know, my father was an artist and when I see you, I'm going to be honest, I'm reminded of him. You know, it's, it, he had a similar kind of mannerism and sense of humor and a um, no fucks given attitude about things, but he was never mean spirited. And mm-hmm. I, I don't get that from you. So when I've seen you post cartoons about certain uh, public figures, I take it in stride. Um, you know, one being an artist, but I, if I can be honest, I wanted to quickly talk about how you and I first uh, kind of got connected. Oh, we, this we, ought to be good. <laughs> okay, I'll tell it quickly and then I'll ask my question. So we had a mutual friend named George Floyd. Um, may he rest in peace. Shout outs to George Floyd, the cartoonist. Yeah, and George was funny too. George was real funny. Very funny. And, and very funny. I never had the pleasure of meeting him either. But for all the people who talk junk about social media and Facebook, this is how I've met some of my best connections through social media. So long story short, um, we were arg- we were debating about something on George's page. Mr. Winners and I were disagreeing. I didn't know it was George Winners, the artist. I just thought it was some random guy. And he's commenting about something about humor. And I said, well, with all due respect, sir, I'm a published cartoonist. I think I know a little something about humor and about cartoons. Thank you very much. I'm going to tell this so-and-so. Who are you thinking? You know, at first of all, I thought he was like younger than me. I thought he, I, I thought he worked some nine to five job. I just thought like, I don't know who this joker is, but I'm going to get him told because I'm a published cartoonist. And then George Floyd inboxed me. He was like, um, Lena, that's George Winners as in winners from Ebony Magazine, George Winners, as in winners from Playboy Magazine, George Winners, and Hustler Magazine. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Mr. Winners, you know, she had that who in the hell left the gate open? I had to put my face back on. And, after, and he was gracious enough to be like, look here, look here, bitch. <laughs> and, 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 I, and I'm so grateful that we were able to move on from that. But just the we're not worthy thing, I had That's no hilarious. idea. 
Oh, yeah. When when Lena didn't know that I was just playing around with her, I was messing with her. <laughs> she was taking it serious. She I said, was. I'm a I'm a very what she said. I forgot the word she said. I'm a very uh, uh, we all respected cartoonists. You don't know me. <laughs> I'm, about, I'm really about to find that post right now. I like I like I like I like to do that. I do that with a lot of people on Facebook. They they really think I'd be serious with them. I'm just having fun with them. I, just, I love I, how you I, deal I, with I, it. I do, I do that. I do that to, to just bring to bring out something, you know, just to see. I don't take it too far. Once I, I if I find them really getting offended, I, I bag off. But I poke as far as I can, with, and as much as I can get away with. A lot of people don't know I'd be just messing with. Them. They you think know, I love that they about think I'm you. mean and everything. They be calling me names or something. I'm seven forward. That's and that makes them angrier. Yeah, that makes them even angrier. You laugh at I've seen Danny D Ray. Um, I know government name. <laughs> D Ray. Um, I've seen it for myself. There was a post about Lizzo, and then there yeah. was one about Kiki Palmer recently. Um, and you know what I have to say bothers me is people don't take certain things in consideration you are of another generation like my parents you're part of the silent generation part of the war baby generation i'm gen x so when i see something that people in their 20s post i have to take that in consideration because i'm like i'm old enough to be their mom so they're they're coming from a different place than me and it's the same way when someone has a, a little more season than me do you ever take a moment to explain that or you just let them think what they want to think? I'm going to guess it's the latter, but you know, you don't get into arguing matches. That's the, the beauty of knowing yourself, knowing your worth and right. being confident in who you are. You got to yeah. do all that. See, I, I know, I know my position. They don't understand my position. So they got to find out where I'm coming from. I already know where I'm coming from. So I'm not going to let them lead me where I don't want to go. <laughs> Absolutely. So yeah. That, that's, that's how you have to deal with that. Don't let anybody lead you where you don't want to go. Lena, does that sound familiar at never, all? Never, never <laughs> let them pick you up. You know what, D-Ray? <laughs> <laughs> On site. On site. And, and see, I've been, I've, been doing this, I've been doing this kind of stuff all of my life. And people don't understand that you on Facebook, they don't know they're going up against a, a guy who's getting paid to do this. They've been getting paid. I to love it. I love it. Exactly. They, they think they can match it, go toe to toe with me, and they can't. I mean, they're out of the league when they're trying to go toe to toe with me. It's, I love it. It's, Let me it's, say it's, this it's, one it's thing. Like when you, it's like when you go to a comedy show, to a comedy show, uh -huh. and, you see, and you see people out in our audience heckling the comedian. And all they're doing is making a fool of themselves, and the comedian, comedian is using them in his show. <laughs> he's making money off of them, and they don't know it. And he's, he's, you know, and they they're upset, and he they're laughing. But you you can't make you can't match uh, with with a uh, with a comedian. You you just can't. You make yourself look silly. And, exactly. And, you know, just enjoy the show. If you went there to to hear the jokes, and hear the jokes, but uh, don't pay to go. To see a comedian and you're gonna sit there with your arm folded and frown <laughs> on your face and you can pay your money to, to go in the show you, you make yourself look like a fool you're paying to go there you're paying somebody to piss you off what what kind of sense does that make i love that that is beautifully said um that's a, that's a mantra right there i was gonna actually 
ask you to um, elaborate and give some advice to young artists that might be watching, but I think it's already been said, if I may restate this, um, when you are creative, they're going to be critics. You know, they're going to be people outside in the popcorn and the cheap seats, you know, making comments about what they don't like and whatever. And, and I've definitely had my share of critics, which if I can be honest, sometimes I'm still a little sensitive because I think back to those young days when I was an artist, like at amusement parks and men would kind of, kind of harass me sometimes. And it, it wanted to develop my sarcasm and my snark. I was real quick on them, you know. On the other hand, as I get older, I want to be more like you, where sometimes there's just no point to even jump in the battle. Mm -hmm. Like, let them think what they want to think and keep it moving. So right. I thank you for that. I thank you for that. Uh, I got a question. Um, I want to circle back to Larry Flint for a moment. Um, you know, Larry Flint famously uh, argued, um, I think, was it the Supreme Court? Yeah, yeah. For, for, versus Larry Flint. Yeah, uh, for yeah, and freedom of speech. Mm -hmm. My question to you is: When he took that to court, did you feel like everybody that every creative was on trial at that point? Did mm. you feel like it was, you know, because I mean, let's let's forget the fact of what Hustler Magazine was, right, right. But at the core of it is freedom of expression, freedom of speech. And someone was really trying to take it, take that freedom away from him. When he went to court, did he go to court for all of us? Good point, D-Ray. I love it. Mm -hmm. Yes, I, 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 I know he did. I mean, Larry, uh, Mr. Flint, he was really, uh, he pushed, he pushed the envelope. I mean, he wasn't afraid mm. to, to uh, to uh, you know, he believed in what he believed in, and he believed in fighting for it. He believed in, it. and uh, I really didn't. I was really surprised that he actually won that case. I mean, at the time, at the time period that we're talking about, I was really surprised that he won that. But uh, that was a great fight. That's awesome. Um, yeah, I'm still thinking about that. Um, I have a. a I have a couple of questions, but I have to ask this one right on the heels of the Larry Flint question. Were you able to ever hang out at the um, Hugh Hefner's um, mansion with the Playboys? Yeah, let's get into that. <laughs> no, I, I never, I, I never, I never, I, I, I never, uh, I never did that. I, I, I wrote. I used to write jokes for people at at uh, for somebody. Uh, some of the stuff in uh, Playboy, but I never had any artwork in Playboy. Ah, but uh, that also, but as far as Larry Flint goes, uh, my my history with with him started uh, actually how I how I got into uh, Hustler Magazine was through a guy I knew from Players Magazine. There was a guy named uh, uh, Dwayne Tinsley. Who eventually became the cartoon editor, and uh, I think the uh, man, I know, he was an editor at uh, at Hustler Magazine. His name was Dwayne, and he uh, before he started drawing, working for Hustler, he was drawing cartoons like me for Players Magazine, the black mm. the black magazine. Players that's right. Magazine. That's right. And he, uh, we was both 
competing for space in Players Magazine. He and wow. uh, uh, some some more uh, bl uh, black uh, cartoonists. I think it was. Uh, I'm trying to think of some of the guys' name. I think one was David David Brown. I'm not sure of the names now, but there was a few other uh, black cartoonists that were drawing for. For Players Magazine, I drew for Players Magazine probably for about ten or fifteen years, and I had no idea I was doing that for that long. Wow! When you, you look know. back on it and reflect, mm -hmm. and uh, and while I was I, while I was drawing for Players Magazine, uh, Dwayne Tinsley was drawing for Players Magazine too. He was a white guy, and uh, he was telling me the story about how he started drawing for Players Magazine. There was a, a magazine for black people, and he was a white guy drawing for. For black magazine. Right, and you were black, it was, it was black like, writer doing for Playboy and Hustler. It was, it was, it was like it was, it was the reversal of our lives. I was, a, he, was a white guy. he was a white guy drawing for a black magazine. I was a black guy drawing for a white magazine. Affirmative <laughs> action. Take that. Right. Take that. Take that. So yeah, let me he, ask he, you. He tell, um, I'm sorry. Um, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. He was, he was telling me the story about how he. Uh, how he got into uh started drawing for players magazine he said he was he was on uh i guess he was just bumming around on uh Mel melrose avenue i think that's the street he told me about oh yeah melrose okay in, in los angeles and he said he he took some cartoons in into uh the editor of uh of uh players magazine and and they wasn't too sure how if they wanted to if they wanted to you know bring him on and, and use his cartoons that he, that he was a uh you know white guy drum they didn't know how he was gonna fit in you know he <laughs> he said, man, himself. <laughs> yeah he said man i'm hungry i needed i needed i need some work so they started using his work and he would draw all his characters was black i mean you never know he was white because all of the all his characters were black anyway so if you didn't know if you didn't know him you wouldn't you wouldn't have known he was a white guy he really he knew he really knew how you know he really knew the black culture living in la in that neighborhood that he was living in so he he could relate to Black Let me ask you a question on that, Mr. Mr. Winters. You just um I had another question in mind, but I wanted to ask you this. Um what do you think when you hear the term drawing black? And I asked that question because I've dealt with it when I was at an amusement park and I work with white artists. I was the only black artist in on our staff. And whenever an African American would come they would have a hard time being able to capture our features and they would fall into stereotypes at time. When you think of Disney and Warner Brothers um, and, 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 and well, I won't say Pixar, but definitely the older companies getting flack nowadays. You know, I don't know if you're aware of this, but they've snatched some of those old cartoons off the air, the old Bugs Bunny, the old, um, some of the Disney cartoons from back in the day, you won't find them anymore because um, the newer generation is, in my opinion, consumed with being politically correct, this whole cancel culture thing. So anything from long ago, if it is, um, if it's not gay positive, if it's not um, feminine positive, if it's not, if it's deemed racist in some kind of way or religiously offensive, they snatch it off and therefore trying to erase our history. So I'm curious, what are your thoughts when, because I look at your work and 
without question, not unlike, say, the art that I saw when I watched Fat Albert, those characters um, have undeniable Black features. What are your thoughts on when people say, why do you draw them so Black, if they say it, or is there such thing as drawing Black? Do you think that um, that there's some type of litmus test, if you will, that mm-hmm. must be passed to prove that your artwork is down enough, it's black enough, or you just like, no, I draw what the hell I see. It's that simple. Well, I draw what the hell I see. I draw what the hell I see. I, I, I don't, uh, I, I, you know, I, I know when I'm, I know the type of work I do is going to offend somebody, and I don't care about that, you know. Mm. If, you, if you're worried about offending people, you'll never get anything done. I know so that's right. I just go ahead and, <laughs> I just go ahead and do what I feel I need to do. And I try to, to be conscious of what I'm doing, but I have to be true to who I am and what's going on around me. I can't mm. sugarcoat stuff if the stuff around me is not sugarcoated. And I try to let my art reflect Say my that. And, and, you know, knowing this, I know it's going to make somebody pissed off, going to piss somebody off. And then they're going to say, people say, yeah, I can relate to that. And uh, I've had people tell me, you know, some of the cartoons I post, they don't like it because it may show black people in a bad light, you know. But then I show everybody in a bad light at some point. I see black <laughs> people that are bad light all the time. Yeah, I've and seen I say, you. <laughs> I, don't, I don't care. I mean, I just draw what's around me. I'm an artist. I draw what's around, what's around me. I love and it. I'm going to say I, everybody I, can I, get it. <laughs> I, I, I can't change what's happening around me. I just see what I see and I draw what I draw. And it comes from what I'm looking at, you know. I got. I got. If you don't like what I'm drawing, to stop doing the things that you're doing. Stop looking. Stop doing nice. If you're doing nice things, I draw nice things about you. But if you're there acting a fool, then I'm gonna draw cartoons that you're acting a fool. I love it. So I have a follow-up question. I don't know. Yeah, I have a follow-up question. The artist, which one is the main artist's responsibility to the artist, to himself, or to the culture? You got to be true to yourself first. If you're not true to yourself, yes. you can't be true to your culture. You got to. Everything I love it. Don't you love it? I thought that was down in my soul. I know. <laughs> we are loving you, Mr. Winters. Keep talking. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. You know, everything starts from, from what you are and what you made from, you know. You know, everything after that, you know, everything that comes after that comes from what you're made from. Your soul, you you know, how you connect. You know, you you got to be real, true to who you are. And I've always been that way. I mean, not just as an artist, but as a human being. I don't, you know, that's that's how I live my life. Look, you have there are two things that I just have to point out that why you are now one of my heroes. Now that I've have met you, number one no excuses you know you didn't go to art school you didn't get formal training you used what you got and you just said this is what i'm going to do number one mississippi when racism was unapologetically in your face right sundown towns and all that stuff right right I grew up. I grew up in the in, in the uh, in the time in Mississippi when I grew up. I grew up in the fifties and sixties, and everything was segregated. Everything was segregated, and I remember uh, uh, they had uh, even in my time 
the town when I we moved from Murphy, we moved to a town called Hollandale, Mississippi. That's basically where I grew up after from 10 years old until I left. It was Hollandale, Mississippi. I call that my hometown, really, because that's where I spent most of my adult, I'm not, 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 that, not adult life, but my teenage uh, years from, I lived there from the uh, age of 10 until I graduated from high school. I left there when uh, probably about 19, I stayed there until I was 19. And uh, in that town, uh, at that time, when I was growing up there, everything was segregated. You couldn't, black people couldn't eat in the same restaurant white people ate in. Uh, the laundromats, I remember the laundromat had us, there was uh, the white people would go in the first, the front uh, half of the laundromat and black people would have to go wash their clothes in the back half of the laundromat. If we went to the, if we went to the doctor, we couldn't be in the same waiting room with the white people. Uh, we had a little waiting room around the back, you know, something like a broom, a broom closet or something, a supply wow. closet that we had to wait in until the doctor could see us. I mean, we were seeing the same doctor the white people were seeing, but we couldn't wait in the same, wait to see him in the same uh, waiting room. We had, had our own little old shanty work, uh, waiting room around back somewhere. I remember when I got my first uh, job, uh, after I had, uh, graduated from high school, uh, it was in a town, another town, not too far from where I was living, about 20 miles away, called Greenville, Mississippi. And uh, I went to uh, get a job there, and they sent me to this doctor for a physical. And this was in 19, yeah, 1967. Hmm. The company sent me to that company doctor to get a physical. And when I went to the company doctor to get a physical, uh, the white people waiting room was on the first floor in the front of the the, 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 the store, the storefront. And the, the black people waiting room was round back up the stairs and a, something looked like a little broom, a broom closet, a little supply closet. And that's, that's where the white people. That's where the black people had to go to wait to see the doctor. Wow. I mean, here's the thing. Read this stuff, but to hear it and it, mm. yeah. You know. but, you know but you know what though? I feel like as as jacked up as that is, I really feel like your pen was basically your sword. That's how you yes. fought back. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. All of that, all of all of what you went through, and which which is going to lead me to my other point is. There is nobody that can look at a piece of art that you did and can say that looks like somebody else's. Right? We know yeah. which work do we see it. Andre here yeah. told me the same thing. It's, it's, it's sitting right here. He told me. Shout out to Andre, uh, Mr. Shout Mayor's IT. Andre. Thank you, Andre. <laughs> yeah, but and, and so and that's the thing that I don't care what kind of creative you are, you can be a screenwriter. You can be a musician, you can be an artist, whatever. Do you. Don't chase the trends. Whatever's in you needs to come out because once you're in that lane, you realize there's really no competition in your own lane. And so I have to give you major props for that, Mr. Winters, because you are a living testament of staying, finding your lane, perfecting your lane, 
and staying in your lane. And so I applaud you for that, sir. That's why you will never worry about artificial um, intelligence art. When people bring that topic up, I'm like, if you have your own style, you don't care about what a computer can create because nobody can do you like you do you. Exactly. Um, That's what I tell people all the time. Be what you, be who you are, and let up. Don't don't follow other people. Let other people follow you. If you you set the example, if you start uh, letting other people set the example for for who you are, then you no longer are who you are. You become who they want you to be. So you stay. You stay, love that. <laughs> stay true to who you are. Okay, so I have another question. Um, I've got a lot of questions. Um, I know we got to bring it to a close. Um, now I know you are married for um, how many years? Yes, I'm married to my current wife now for twenty. Uh, she gonna kill me for this, about twenty eight years. I was uh, married. You- I've been married before. My 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 kids' mother. Well, uh, we got married right after I got out of service, and uh, we I was in Chicago, and I had I have a son and a daughter. My daughter name is Angie, and Jeanette. Hey, and Angie. My, and my son name is Daryl. Hey, Daryl. Daryl has two boys, and Angie has a little girl. Oh, wow. So you are also grandpa winners. Mm-hmm. I love it. I love it. And, I knew and you I'm, had kids. Okay. And I'm married to my current wife now. So she has some kids. So I must step dad to her, to her kids. So That's awesome. So as, a, as a fellow stepdad, I salute you. <laughs> yeah, the step parenting thing is not for the week. I did my stint and blessed enough to still have a relationship, um, although divorced with um, my stepson. I wanted to ask you, see, how do I form this question? Because I just thought of it while we were talking. When you see the antics, the shenanigans of today's celebrities, now, and I'm not placing judgment because earlier in the segment during our hot topics, we discussed um, the likes of Megan the Stallion, mm-hmm. Kiki Palmer, um, right. the likes of um, Lizzo, um, mm-hmm. or a Herschel Walker, because I know um, you, you definitely have some thoughts on Herschel <laughs> Walker, or Candace Owens, whether it's um, politics that seem counterproductive to the race like in the case of a Herschel Walker or a Candace Owens or Amarosa, or on the other side of it, if it's dressed in half naked, as we used to say back in the day, out there half naked, like Lizzo and um, Kiki Ballmer, who I am a fan of both of theirs, especially Lizzo, I am a fan. But if I'm being very honest with you, as a full-figured woman myself, um, I personally am not a fan of how provocative she dresses. Do you think, just like you said, you know, as an earlier as an artist, you owe nothing um, to anyone but yourself first before you owe to the public, to the culture? Mm-hmm. Um, what are your thoughts on um, those young celebrities that are out there? Do you feel like, do you feel the same for them that they owe something? Because there is that part of me that, if I'm being honest, I play respectability politics and when I see them dressed a certain way or I see them saying things counter to African Americans, there's that part of me that's like, now I know you was raised better than that. You setting us back a hundred years. Mm-hmm. I mean, but that's me. That's my shit. All right. Well, I'm, I'm gonna tell you, I'm gonna tell you how I feel about what's going on today as far as our young uh 
especially our young ladies. Keep it a buck. And uh, and I, I I see this happening, and it really. I'm sorry. I don't mean to keep much. That's okay. Take your time. Take your time. But it, it, it really bothers me. Wow. I, I think I, I think what, what needs to happen is we need to have my older, our older entertainers, our older singers to get together with these young girls and sit them down and just tell them. I'm sorry. It's okay. Now you make me cry. No, no, no. It's fine. It's, real, real. it's fine. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to But what? I'm sorry. <coughs> I'm sorry. It's okay. Diva, you've had to take over because I'm going to start crying. <laughs> no, I got it because I, I, I feel where he's coming from because at the end of the day, we, we, about, I, I, yeah. I see this and I know where we came from. Right. And, and I, you coming from Mississippi. I, I, see, I see this happening to our kids. Right. And you coming from Mississippi and your upbringing, you know the price that got paid. You know the you know the blood in the fields, you know what I mean. And to see that, I I totally understand where you're coming from, sir. Yeah. I really and do. I, I think what we need is for you, for older people like Diana Ross, um, um, Stephanie Mills, oh, Gladys yeah, Knight, Gladys Knight, uh, uh, who else? Adelaide uh, Bell, Diana Ross. Uh, uh, Anita Baker, all of these older women who were, oh, who were and still are, in the way. entertainment business, to set these young ladies get in touch with them because they have, they have, they can get in touch with them. They know how to get That's in right. touch. That's right. And they, believe it or not, they look up to them. And a lot of these young girls have really been led astray, and and uh, they need someone older. To, older than them to sit down with them and tell them that you don't have to do that. You got talent. You don't have to do that. Don't lower yourself like that. I mean, don't be out there uh, with your ass out thinking that that's the only way you can get attention. And I think uh, Facebook and all these social media platforms, TikTok in particular, and Instagram, they got, mm. these, they got these young ladies so straight out. Uh, stressed out going in so many di different directions, they don't know who they are. And it goes back to what I was saying earlier. You know, if you're talented, you don't have to you don't have to do that to yourself. You don't have to disgrace yourself. You don't have to become ratchet to get attention. You've got talent. You can sing. A lot of the I mean there's one young lady I heard back here. I think I mentioned something about it on uh, Facebook uh, a couple of years ago. Extremely talented young lady, beautiful voice, and she's out there singing some of the most vocal stuff I ever heard anybody sing in my life. Why? Why are you? Why are you doing that? Why are you doing that? And as far as our young men, I mean, we just out there acting a fool. I mean, that's no. Other I was going to ask you about that too. There's no way. To there's about there's, there's no kind. There's really no kind way to put it. I mean, you just act there acting a fool. You act like you're uncivilized. Yeah. 
when you, you finish your ass out, first the guys started with their ass out, now the girls have all time with their asses out. And what, what women don't know is that you set the standards for the community. Say that. You are the standard setters. You don't have to do all of that. You set the standard. You can make the guy put pull their pants up. All you got to do is, is 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 don't give out the cootie. You know. I tell you what, if you that's a song with, right there. Don't give out the cootie. You know what? I actually might do that. If, if, you, <laughs> if, you, if, if, a, if, a, if, if a woman with hope would start doing that and stop jumping in bed with every guy that that, that comes by, set a standard, live by that standard. And you can get the guy to come up to your standards. You don't have to bring yourself down to his standard. You can, women don't understand the power that they have. And these young girls today really don't understand the power that they have. You don't always want to hear older women. If you really really want a nice guy, you can get a nice guy. But you're not going to get a nice guy by lowering yourself and and being a skank. Only only people you're going to attract is the kind of guys that want to hang out with skanks. But if you got a standard and you tell a guy that, hey, you can't leave home with me dressed like that. We're not going out with you with your pants hanging off your ass like that. And and he will pull his pants up because if he cares about it, you. It, right, if he cares up. about you. Right, he will. Oh, yeah. you, know, you know, I heard yesterday somebody mm-hmm. said that um, they talked about Sarah Bartman. Who was the oh, African African lady with yeah, yeah yeah Venus Hottentot? Who you know she went over to England. She was taken to England. She was made to be in these secret orgy parties Eight. and raped and touched and mutilated. You know, and it took them seventy five years to bury her because after she died from a STD. They kept her body on display for another almost 50 years, 75 years, because of her body parts. And I heard someone say that women in the industry today are doing willfully what Sarah Bartman was forced to do. Mm -hmm. And and let me point out one more thing about Sarah Bartman. Um, um, Or Sarty Bartman, her actual name, Sarty Bartman. Um, uh, European culture owes the buttress design to her. Black, white women in Europe were so enamored with her figure and so jealous of their husbands running to this museum so they could oogle her and take, uh, well, take their liberty, well, you know, have their way with her, that um, designers in, in Europe created the buttress to pull in the waist and then have that part so that the dresses would bow out in the back. And to think when you see those women walking, I mean, well, you'll see them, but you see photographs of around, uh, let me see, this would have been like 1700s or something like that. I could be wrong about the math, that they owe it to that woman's figure. And on one hand, yes, we can smile. We can feel happy about like, oh, you know, they, they want our body figures. I mean, they, they, they want our body types. They want our silhouettes. But the flip side to that is when you, and I have to be careful how I say this because I know I'm not trying to, to, to punch down on young women. That's not my thing. But I expect more from them as well. It's one thing to have someone love the way you look to admire your beauty. It's another thing to, um, to pimp yourself. 
Mm-hmm. Well, I, I, I think I think where a lot of a lot of a lot of young women today are, are getting off track is they believe that they have to do certain things to get attention, and I don't think they really are trying to get that attention from men. I think they're trying to get it from females most because a lot of men don't yeah. like what they're saying. These girls are doing that, but a lot of big. Um, what they call BBLs and all that kind of stuff. Most guys and the eyelashes that look, that look like they got spiders on the face. <laughs> I mean, most guys don't like that stuff. I mean, if you would act BBLs and eyelashes. <laughs> most guys, you you if you ask them today, they don't they they really don't care about that. And they, and they, a lot of them tell them women now that they don't like that. Oh, let guys. me. I'm gonna have to disagree with you on that, Mr. Winters. Mm-hmm. I will say this. No, I, oh, here. Hear me out. Men will say they don't like manufactured fake behinds, mm-hmm. but they are enamored with a round. I don't know. We're getting off subject, but mm-hmm. let me say it's the one lone. You can shake your head all you want, D-Ray. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen you, wife. <laughs> oh, damn. Is this what we're doing? Is this what we're doing? No, listen, hear me out, y'all. Hear me out. Here's my point. There's a big difference between women who are desperate for the attention, and so they spend money they don't have to fly across the country to get to, to pay for body parts or to, to have fake hair or whatever. Mine is real for the record. Um, you know, and all that they do to 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 win the attention of a man. And so I get the scarcity myth. I don't buy into it. But I understand the desperation because that mentality has been beaten to them since they were little girls. Like, you've got to find a way to stand out from the others. you got to be the lone one in the pack because all the other women are trying to get attention to. And you want to get that, the prince. And although I'm not excusing that, I'm just simply explaining from my point of view where that, that desperation comes from. It's unfortunate but what 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 you're not going to do is get them to hear you out if you if we beat them down about it. No, because let me tell you something. If I sit up here and tell you, Lena, hey, if you go and put that some kind of hair in your head and it could kill you. And that don't stop you. That's about relaxers and whatnot. Right. If, if, uh, no, I'm talking about BB, BBLs. Because oh, 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 let's, oh, keep oh, it, let's keep yeah. it a book. Oh. You know, uh, the young man's wife that passed away from DC Young Fly's wife. She oh. passed away from getting that procedure. That's what she died from? Con- yeah. Kanye West's mom passed that. away from plastic surgery. Uh, complications of that. And so the, if you can't sit there and say this may cost you your life and people won't stop, hmm. then you got to think of another tactic because now I can't even be nice anymore. You know what I'm saying? I can't even be nice about it. It's just like, yeah, people, women may be born with it, but I don't know a lot of pe- people that want to die for it. Nobody wants to die from it. Um, and I, and Mr. Winters, I'm gonna let you speak on it because I'm not, you know, we called you to be on the show so we could talk to you. I just want to just point out, I'm not excusing when people, I mean, here's the thing everybody gilds the lily, 
in some kind of way. Unfortunately, some people choose um, a tactic that will that will end their lives. I'm gilding a lily by wearing makeup. I wasn't. I didn't wake up with with eyelash uh, eyeshadow on and, and lip gloss or whatnot. However, um, you know, I just think that there it's the way that you deliver the medicine. You can well, give the medicine, but put a little sugar with the medicine. I, I, I guarantee you, if there was a way for men to get BBDs. And by BBD, I mean go find a way to make their penis larger. Oh no, they do that. Become taller. They, they do that. They do that. They do fat transfers to penises. They do that now. They do. Yeah, they do heightening. They cut part of your femur and part of your. You know yeah, they do, They cut. They cut part of your legs and insert metal rods to make you taller. The men have done. They have plastic abdomens. But you think that that flat stomach, that six-pack, it's actually a piece of plastic that's under the skin that they went and got all of that stuff sucked out. No, it happens. Don't get me wrong. I'm not sitting there saying that it's just a female issue. What I'm saying is, and what I'm hoping that I'm echoing from this. Uh, He froze. Okay. (laughs) I thought he was... Um, we have a thing where, go ahead, Mr. Winters. I, well, you know, I, I time to speak on it while D Ray's camera catches up. Well, uh, my my situation is uh, I I don't believe in people say a lot of time when it comes to Lizzo. I I used to, you know I did a few cartoons about her. The problem that I have with Lizzo is that I I think she has some issues that she needs to work out. Maybe she needs to see a counselor. Uh, about uh, I, I know she's I know she's a large girl I know she's conscious of that but what she's trying to do I think is overcompensate in some kind of way by being provocative sh- showing you know I saw one picture of her getting on the airplane back in not too long ago and she had all of her rear end out and you know and Somebody must have told us a girl, you know, this is the way to go. And I I don't think that's the way to go. I don't I really don't have any uh problem with her weight. I know she's you know, she's a big girl. I don't have a I don't have I don't have a problem with that. I just I have a problem with you know how she goes overboard with it, trying to do stuff that really is uncalled for. She doesn't have to do that. Like I was saying about a lot of these other young ladies, not just her, but a lot of these other young ladies. I think, you you know, don't let someone make you uh, less than who you are by saying that, you know, you got to do this to get attention because you don't. She doesn't, she's very talented. I heard, you know, I heard her sing and she got a lot of talent. I don't know why you just can't go with your talent. Use your talent and, and uh, people will appreciate you for that. And without, and you can keep your self-respect. And, uh, but uh, I, I think what women do is try to impress other women because I really don't think they're doing it to impress men because a lot of guys, a lot of guys really don't like that. They like that woman's natural. 
I mean, guys, we've it, gotten really off the I think I think uh, uh, you, if you're going to use makeup and stuff like that, use it to enhance your beauty. Don't use it to try to make yourself beautiful. Beautiful because that's really the, the uh, that's the kind of stuff that's going to make you beautiful. Yeah, I got I got one more question, and then we're going to kind of wrap this up, um, Mr. Winters. Mm -hmm. Will you ever retire? What the ever what? Will you ever retire? Will yes. I ever retire? Yes, sir. Not from drawing, no. Drawing is my life. I'd rather draw I than eat. I love it. <laughs> I'd rather draw than eat. I don't think there's anything I'd rather, I'd rather do than draw. Drawing is in my blood. It's who I am. You are and master I, I think, your age, 76 years I, I old, right? if, if I got to go, I'd rather draw. I'd rather, rather for them to find me dead at the drawing board. <laughs> with a marker in your hand. Yeah, with a marker in my hand. I know that's right. At the pride of marker out of my coat. My cold dead hands. Is there. I, I don't know if y'all can see my pen, but I'm like, I feel you on that, Mr. Winters. Wow. Oh, you know what? I just have to say, I want to dedicate this episode to my father, Richard Hopkins Sr. May he rest in heaven. Um, He would have loved to have witnessed this. And I know he's watching from beyond in whatever manifestation he is as an ancestor, but um, you know, it wasn't just me. My dad was an artist, and we both loved looking at your work and strictly for laughs. Um, so this episode means so much more to me. It's, you know, I've enjoyed doing all of these podcasts, but this one here is special. It is Thank absolutely you. special. You've given me so much inspiration and motivation, not just as a child, but just, and not just through social media, but this conversation today, this is, this is one for the books. Wouldn't you agree, D-Ray? Oh, absolutely! This is this is one for the, this is one for the books. Um, it was great talking to you guys, and I'm really I don't want to apologize for getting emotional. Some, no, some sir. Kind of, please don't. Oh, it's, it's just it's that that kind of stuff. But really, really, I'm I'm, I'm really uh, I'm really concerned about the condition our, our our young people are going in today, both male and females. I I really hope that we can turn this around. Because otherwise, we're going to have to write off a whole generation. A whole mm. generation of people going to have to be just written off. Because if, I don't see how it can be fixed unless we start working on it right now. But the next generation coming along, this generation may have to be written off. As yes, far as sir, you don't have to it out. Anyway. I, I think they'll pull yeah. through. Let me ask one last question before we wrap. And as a segue um, to what you just said about the younger generation, do you have any parting words advice, not to just young people in general, but specifically the young artist who's watching right now, the high school student, the college student, um, or even the 51-year-old cartoonist <laughs> who is um, <laughs> um, who's feeling, maybe, maybe they're feeling frustrated. Maybe they're feeling like giving up. Maybe they're feeling like um, they're frustrated with AI or they're frustrated mm -hmm. because... Um, they're 50, 11 other artists in the game, or they've got, they're trying to put their work on social media and it's the women or the men who are doing the crazy antics or dressed half naked or any other shenanigans to get attention. And yet it seems like talent is not being appreciated like they want, want it to. What would be your advice to them to, to keep going? What, what do you do when, you're, when your well runs dry? My advice to young artists is that stay at what you do. Do it. 
every day. Every day. Every day. I love that. If you draw and draw every day. And I love. I, I don't. I don't think there's been too many uh, days since I really went into uh, doing art uh, professionally. When I was a, when I was before I graduated from high school, I had so many other things to do. But I wasn't drawing every day. A lot of times when school was out, I wasn't drawing every day. But when school was in, I was drawing every day. A lot of times that wasn't the day went by that I wasn't you know in class uh, drawing. And when I started doing this professionally, I don't think there's a day went by that I didn't draw something. You draw something every day. If, you, if you're an artist, draw every day. I love that. And, uh, and and don't let anybody take you. You know, if you if you're a true artist, you're not gonna let anybody take you off your game anyway. <laughs> I mean, you you're gonna you you're gonna stay on it if you're true. If you're true, if you if it's in your blood, you're gonna do it every day. You you're not gonna need an, an anybody encouraging you. I love this raw honesty. Mm, mm. Because because being an artist, most most of the time it's a it's a solitary type of thing anyway, and you have to be your own motivator. Because a lot of times you're, you're you're working by yourself, and you you're not you you you're not able to draw from people sitting beside you. You got to draw it from within. It got to come with from within and if you want to be successful at it you just got to do it and eventually if you do it long enough your opportunities gonna come around mm. gonna come to you bless me by around. saying that you and, know that right there just made my day i'm 51 years old finally getting an opportunity to learn animation from um two disney artists and i'm grateful to that and for all the people who were like oh you know, you, you know, this is good. You should be happy doing your gigs or, you know, doing your, you know, your spot work. Um, we call it piece work. Um, doing mm-hmm. your piece work. Be satisfied with that. I'm like, no, I want more. And to hear you say that at 76, right? Mm-hmm. That you're drawing every day, still every working day. Mm-hmm. Um, because you love and I'm, it. And, and I'm, I'm enjoying I'm enjoying it probably more now than I ever done it ever, so, ever oh, before. Wow. A lot of people in my age now, are, are, I know some guys are retiring. I had one guy who used to I draw for, for uh, he's, a, he's a good friend of mine. He used to sell a cartoonist. He, he used to draw for, uh, he was on the uh, staff of, uh, of uh, Hustler Magazine. He said he just got burned out. He retired from drawing. He said he, he drew, I think he told me, over 11,000 of cartoons and he just burned out from he he, he retired from uh, doing cartoons altogether and he's retired now but uh yeah i don't think aaron magruder the creator of the boondocks um i haven't seen any art from him in years mm-hmm. um a lot of a lot of a lot of guys get burned out from it i get it um uh, i think uh the guy this guy uh gary lawson i think he got burned out oh, he might need to but that's my opinion <laughs> Not a fan. <laughs> no, 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 I never really. Um, but I respect his. Um, I, I respect his climb to success. I won't mm-hmm. take that from him. I just don't like his recent comments. But you know, and shout outs to all the other artists out there that I'm a fan of. Like, your what, what comments did he make? What comments did he That's make? That's a whole nother show. You're not, you're, you're <laughs> not getting. You're, you're not getting. <laughs> 
You're not getting them confused with uh, Deer, the guy who did the Deer. Oh, you like know that. what? Oh my God, I just did. Scott, yeah, I Scott so. I is Dilbert. You, I thought you was getting them mixed up with him. Scott Adams is Dilbert. Yeah. Gary Larson is the far side. Far side, yeah. Oh my God, my apologies. Oh wow. Yeah. <laughs> I guess you know what. I can't believe I did that because I'm a huge <laughs> fan of the far side. And and, and you notice I got the names right. Yeah. But I just mixed up Scott Adams and, and Gary Larson. Okay. All right. Okay. We need to land this yeah, plane. I, I, <laughs> I, yeah, I thought you was getting them. I I should, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you so much. D-Ray, did you want to say anything before we close out? No, that I felt like uh that was the benediction. You need to go ahead and pass the plate and yeah, that was it right there. You dropped a lot of nuggets. A lot. I'm going to go back and watch this uh, probably multiple times and nothing else taking notes. So I want to thank Mr. George Winters for being our special guest tonight. I want to thank Andre for helping out with the IT. Shout outs to D-Ray, the producer, for always being my co-anchor and getting me through each show. And for you for tuning in, thank you. I'm going to take a hiatus. I'll be back in late August. I've um, got some other projects I need to finish on. But thank you for tuning in. Stay tuned and expect the unexpected on Lena Unapologetic. Thank you. Okay, thank you.